My initials backwards are BLT. Not as traumatic as Clay's were, but sounds delicious. Oh, BLT is really? (laughs) I'll take that. (laughs) I'll take that. They do. I'll get you a BLT. My namesake. (laughs) Sort of. I'll never forget your middle name now. (laughs) Welcome to Beyond the Cart, presented by Lightburn. This is a podcast all about e-commerce, where we share some of our experiences building, managing, and promoting direct-to-consumer brands. I'm Nora, and today, instead of Andy, I've got a guest with me. Lightburn SEO analyst Taylor Belmer and I will be exploring how to write engaging, informative, and persuasive product descriptions. We'll break down shopping algorithms and how they're weighted, and we've got some practical advice for increasing product visibility across channels. Lots to talk about, so let's get started. Taylor, hi. Hi. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So you're our SEO analyst at Lightburn, but you've also got some background that's really applicable to this, right? Yeah. So I worked for a big box retailer that's located here in Wisconsin. And primarily the work I was doing there was working on the product detail pages, which most of the work I was doing was within uh, product descriptions. You know, one of the first things I want to talk to you about is how product keywords are kind of different than like more generic keywords like how do we think about those differently yeah totally so when you think about product pages we have to think about first the users coming to those and obviously the purpose of that is that they're looking to buy something right so when we think about generic keywords like for example if we think about like men's shoes or men's basketball shoes that's pretty generic it casts a really wide net um versus something more specific like nike air foam positive ones. Um, Those are really specific shoes that indicate that a user is looking for that specifically to hopefully then buy that product. Yeah. So that's going to really depend on the product, right? Like so Nike Air foam foam posit? Yeah. That rolls off the tongue. Yeah, totally. It's really natural to say that. But that's probably something (laughs) like, you know, a sixth grade boy is searching for and knows and sure right yeah it's it's anything that comes down to like that specific feature detail something like a model number or a skew attached to a product keyword is going to be more yeah like that product focus versus just generic i want a shirt type yeah so like if we use milberry west for example Mm -hmm. we're not going to be probably dealing with like yeah. Product specific? Uh, not too crazy, right? Yeah, because yeah. like the main focus across that site is going to be with the Anirondack chairs. And there's mm-hmm. that's really a general keyword. We would put that definitely in the generic keyword category versus if we named them something specific or had a model number to attach. Yeah, and then hundreds of thousands of people, as soon oh, as we right. launch, are going to be searching for those for products. For sure. That is that's how this only works. to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that easy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> So Lucky Nike has some yeah, some brands to, to help them out with that. Right. So, yeah, when when we're thinking about those keywords, like how how are we getting those onto that page? Like what's what's the art of that? Ooh, yeah, the art. Yeah. So, I mean, for my process, it's all going to come down to keyword research from the start. It starts with that balance between the generic and the product specific focused keywords. Right. So. We know that Anirondack Chair is going to be a general one that's going to be on the pages, but then where do we go from there? How do we get visibility in the search engine result pages? How do we know what people are looking for? Yeah, and so what what would you say there's, you know, obviously you've got the description. Right. Mm-hmm. It all starts with the title, right? That's where people are going to be initially clicking, whether that's from search results or within the website itself, and that's what gives the most specific high-level information for that user. And then additionally on the page, you have a product description, And that is 
meant to give users the information they're looking for, but also give the search engines the information they're looking for to serve these pages to the users. Yep. Yeah. And so I have a question for you, actually, mm-hmm. about the product titles. Sure. We didn't plan for this, but I've been wondering. <laughs> so I um, have been going down this, like, um, ethical fashion journey. Sure. I've been trying to buy stuff that's sustainably made. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at, like, lots of, like, niche retailers online, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is really great because I can bring some of what I learned from that back to what we do. Yeah. But one thing that really annoys me as a user is when product names are, like, not descriptive of the product. Totally. So you often see it with, like, let's say a clothing line. A dress is called, like, the Anna, the Elise. Like, that does not help me know the features of that. Yeah. So would you say that that's also hurting you from an SEO perspective? Yeah, it definitely can. Um, So I think you hit the nail on the head with, like, as being that customer, you want the information you're looking for on the page. So calling something an Anna dress is not helpful. I want to know what style of dress it is, maybe what it's made out of. One best practice when we're crafting page titles is to really, at all costs, try to avoid some of those filler terms. Unless if that's the key differentiator from another product that's very similar. If you don't have keywords that are important to the product itself, like for example, if someone wants a short sleeve dress and all you're calling it is the Anna dress, you're missing out on that opportunity to gain that traffic for that customer to come into your site and purchase the product they're looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not only are you are you missing that traffic, maybe you're also confusing the user once they're on the site, totally. which I think is, you know, it it all plays into to the user experience, yeah. too. It, I think it used to sort of feel like SEO and user experience were at odds. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. SEO and user experience are coming closer and closer to being almost one in the same. I don't want to say that it actually it is starts, but it's so close it starts at search it does you yes. can't overlook that and it's definitely something that google and other search engines look as a ranking factor and so when we're crafting this content on the product detail pages whether it's the title or the description the number one best practice to always keep in mind is just focusing on the user focus on your ideal customer yeah who do you really want to target to get onto your site to purchase your product ultimately if you're not speaking to the user or the humans you're kind of wasting your time a little bit because you're not going to be ranked as high or maybe even seen at all in search engine results. So one thing that you mentioned a little earlier that I wanted to get into is duplicate content, Mm -hmm. which seems pretty obvious to me, but I think we see it a lot. So can you explain a little bit about what that is and what the problem is with it? Yeah, duplicate content is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's content, copy, or text on your website that has either been literally copy and pasted across multiple different pages on Mm -hmm. your site or content that is very similar. So maybe you did copy and paste, but you changed a couple words. It's still too close. Yeah. Yeah. And it confuses search engines that are crawling your website. And the negative effect of that is that if search engines are confused, they can abandon your site and therefore you get no visibility in the search engine results. Shopify did a study last year, and they linked a Nielsen-Norman Group report, which is like bigwigs in the UX space. Mm -hmm. Um, And they talked about how 20% of all unsuccessful um, purchases are because of the lack of product information. And I think that really relates to duplicate content. But then also something to consider is duplicate content isn't just an issue within your own website. For example, a lot of big e-commerce websites will use descriptions and or promotional copy that they Mm -hmm. get from product manufacturers and distributors. And if you're copy and pasting that on your site, 
imagine how many other websites are <laughs> exactly. also using that same content. So you don't stand out amongst competitors. Yeah, we see it a lot, especially, you know, with retailers that have other manufacturers. You know, we're burdening them with, give us all this content. Like, we're launching mm-hmm. on this date. And that can feel overwhelming, I think. And so they'll give us manufacturer content, which I totally understand yeah, why it's oh, totally. happening. For sure. But we got to educate them on why that's not the best idea or that we've got this layer of rewriting it. And that's where you can bring in those keywords, those product keywords or generic. Right. And and really, that might make the difference. Yeah, right? totally. And there's nothing wrong with using that as like a kicking off point sure. or using some of those exact maybe phrases that they give you. Because in some situations, um, for brand purposes, you might have to word something a specific way. And if that phrasing is also on another website... That's fine. The phrasing we're talking, is okay. Yeah, yeah, we're talking like full paragraphs being exactly the same. Think about it as like plagiarism when you're in college yeah. and you get dinged on an essay. Um, it's kind of the same thing in Google's eyes. So Yeah, even if you've got permission from the manufacturer, right. it's still going to cause a problem. It's just not helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think one way that you can you know, avoid that is look at ways to maybe break up that information that you're getting mm-hmm. from the manufacturer. Do you have maybe FAQs that you can yeah, repurpose totally. that content into so that it's shaped differently? Yeah, that's a great example for sure. Um, do you have any other suggestions for you know how to go about rewriting content that you have that maybe is you know duplicated? Let's say that dress that you know there's a short sleeve and a long sleeve and a sleeveless and and your content is almost identical. How how do you yeah. go about that rewrite? Yeah, so I've actually experienced in the past with uh, a big retail that I worked for. Um, There's often times that we would have, great example, like the same piece of clothing in very similar style, but maybe there's a different graphic or a yeah. pattern or a color. Often the challenge that we ran into was, yeah, how do we write short sleeve dress any other way? We've done every <laughs> word. And that's kind of where it gets to like, is the juice worth the squeeze on like, adding a little flair word, like calling it the Anna dress and whatnot. And at that mm. point, it's not really hurting you because you need it to be different. And differentiating from duplicate content is more important than at that point, kind of like telling the user exactly what Anna means in that um, yeah. instance. That said, there's a lot of actually, this is a great example of where UX comes into play with SEO. So there's been a lot of advancements with user experience design and how we can actually for lack of better terms, package a product page to show maybe multiple swatches of a color. Mm -hmm. That right there is a great way to get around that um, need for writing, like, short sleeve t-shirt red. So, yeah, it's one page. Yeah, it's one page. And while this is kind of straying from focusing on the keywords, it just kind of shows how everything needs to work together. And keep in mind, yeah, SEO best practices for keywords, but also user experience design on these pages. Another, again, would be highlighting the features of the product and then the benefit for the customers. Skincare is a great product to use as an example for this. If a product just said it's fragrance-free, okay, well, that's great. That's a feature of who this. Cares? But what is that going to do for me? Right, yeah. yeah, who cares? Again, this is a great way to inform the user but also get more keywords on the page. Fragrance-free, awesome. Can we add a description as to what that's going to do for me as a customer? Yeah, great for people with allergies Exactly, or sensitive skin. Yeah, things like that. So that's a great um, thing to keep in mind as well when you're creating this content. Um, avoiding filler statements, things that are just like excellent product quality. Okay, yeah, what does but that like, even what mean? is? Yeah, what does it mean? <laughs> we've all seen those like <laughs> yes. word salad. And, yeah, descriptions. and like, look, we're all we've all done it at some point, but it's something to keep in mind and to avoid. It's not always better to have more words. It's the quality of the words on the page. Justifying if and when you use superlative words like talking about something as being the lightest, the greatest, the best. 
Um, they just come off as insincere and, quite frankly, salesy, which is ironic because you're trying to sell a product. Yeah. But, <laughs> again, if you're focusing on the user, I think we all are conditioned, even in ourselves being customers, to kind of just disregard those things and think it sounds insincere and to move on to the next product or, yeah. frankly, business or company. And so it's just really important to try to avoid those unless if you really have the proof. Like if you sure. know you're number one in that category, by all means, let it rip. Do yeah. it. <laughs> you, know what, you know what that reminds me of is that like we went into this um, just rabbit hole because we had something from Aldi okay. that had won some sort of American chef's greatest <laughs> cheese, blah, blah, blah. And it was some like, you know, governing body of cheese experts <laughs> so we researched we we're like this sounds weird we researched yeah. it it it's an it's a it's funded by aldi oh great yeah see, so uh, they like they added their superlative yeah, they, they were like created it. won this like <laughs> top award from but did it work is that why you bought it i mean we had already bought it and they were like what <laughs> is this cheese group yeah. that we've never heard of it was hilarious and we're like what kind of operation does aldi have going <laughs> right. like you got really yeah. suspicious so i don't know yeah. if everybody like yeah. that's how they spend their friday night i don't is... know man but i think at the end of the day it's just avoid them honestly yeah. like i mean i think in the past it was always important to be like these are the best shoes you can put on your feet. Well, because like, people were Googling yes. best shoes to put on my feet. Exactly. And now and that's just now, not how people search. Right. It's not how people search. And even if they do, the Google al algorithm or algorithms more accurately are smart enough to identify what the user's search intent is sure. and then give the relevant content. So that's taking you, if I say best shoes to put on your feet, totally yes. natural search. <laughs> I that's search it all the time. So that's going to take me to, like, consumer reports or something. It possibly right? could, right. Yeah, because it doesn't really sound like in that you're actually looking to purchase. I don't you're have just looking for information, buy. right. Yeah. Yeah, like, if I had searched, like, comfortable women women's size 9 shoe, that ready to is buy so it. specific because I'm looking for what I want. And comfortable is a great word to put in there because people want to know, and that's important. Yep. So, yeah, that's something to keep in mind. There's other best practices to when you're creating, like, the descriptions to really – kind of bring in your own brand voice and cater to the user and not just focus specifically on we have to get this keyword in that description. Yeah, Painting a specific like picture or imagery of like what your life's going to be if you own this product. Oh, it's so or, inspirational. like when you're sitting in that Bilberry West Adirondack chair. You're in good company because Andy uh, can't say it either. Yes. So you're it's fine. such a hard word. When you are <laughs> sitting in that Bilberry West Adirondack chair, how comfortable and great your backyard mm -hmm. will look, and you're with your friends and family. Like things like that are a great way to try to be persuasive and sell your product. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily encapsulate the specific keywords that you quote unquote should have on that page. But it's sort of wrapping it, it around with this yes, picture exactly. that you're painting. Exactly. Um, I'm glad you brought up brand voice because I think that is a really great way also that you're kind of telling a story of how the product was developed can mm -hmm. sometimes be part of that yeah. uh, to differentiate is that you've got some sort of story around we did so many tests on this or mm -hmm. we started with 50 patterns and we narrowed it down and that's really compelling and it's telling your your brand story as well is yeah. like how how do we develop these products yeah totally um i think if there's anything from this conversation is that seo is like super vast um 
And a lot of it is around language and words and how we best understand what people are looking for when they're using language and words. I think people underestimate just how creative the work is. Like, it Mm -hmm. really is creative writing through a particular lens. Yeah, it's it really highlights the understanding of language as Mm -hmm. a whole. Bringing your brand in and your own voice and using more conversational words that maybe isn't exactly how someone searched or looked for something still matters because it's how real people speak. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I wanted to know was just like kind of what is that pace? Let's say, you know, we've sure. got let's say we get a site and it's got, you know, a few hundred mm-hmm. SKUs. Nothing yeah. crazy, but enough. And we've got uh, either just like we're missing keywords or some duplicate content. Sure. How are we getting from there to we're satisfied? Like what yeah. what does that process look like? Yeah. Well, um, fortunately for me in the job security is that SEO is literally constantly changing Ain't and it's never anywhere. a one and done task. Yeah. And that said, it's a lot more lengthy of a timeline to see some turnarounds than, yeah. say, for example, like paid search and PPC. You can tell if that's working pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Our team is in there constantly. Day by day, things can change. And it can be similar in SEO as well um, when algorithms change. But usually what's happening is it takes a lot more time to see some changes. Um, And that's for various reasons. It could be that Google just hasn't crawled your site in a while. Um, Your changes just haven't been registered yet or users haven't found it to start giving uh, Google some signals that they're engaging with your site. Plenty of different things can be going on. Yeah, so it's sort of that, like, you're running that long game, but mm-hmm. you're still keeping an eye on the right. shorter turnaround. Totally. And it's just, like, kind of having that roadmap of, what you know, maybe you're taking on 25 product descriptions a week. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're tracking those pages that have changed over or not. And you can start to see patterns. Yeah, right? like, one great... A way to test it would be um, if you know you have a high traffic or high performing Mm -hmm. product page that you want to make changes to um, because there's more traffic coming into that one. It can be sort of like your test page to see if things are working um, versus maybe another product page that isn't visited as frequently. Um, You might not prioritize that one ahead of the more frequently visited products. Yeah. Yeah. Start with the stuff that, you know, the most bang for your buck. Yeah. yeah, And then move move forward. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, sometimes you have to balance with What's going to be easier for you yeah. to do? There may be some that just are going to be a real slog to to fix up <laughs> for whatever reason. You just don't have as much content. Mm-hmm. There's not a, as much story to tell. So that's that's an okay approach too, I think, yeah. is like get that momentum going. Although I guess that's like a personality thing. Like maybe there's somebody who needs to get through the hard ones first and then. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, there really isn't. Like, I guess a black and white, like, this is the right way to approach it, and you have to do it this way. It's more something's better than nothing, yeah, you keep going. for sure. If you're, yeah, to at least just start is the most important. Um, and then batching it out from there, I think, is a great approach. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um, you know, I thought of one other thing with yeah. the duplicate content that I think, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about on this podcast is manufacturers getting into direct-to-consumer. Yeah. A thing that we see a lot is that, we have manufacturers who have products on like a non-shopping sure. site, mm-hmm. and then we're going to be setting up the shopping experience. Yeah. And there's a reason that they're separate, mm-hmm. but you run the risk of having duplicate content. Yep. And so saying, we'll just pick it up from our you know wholesaler mm-hmm. site, 
isn't going to cut it. Right. And so that, you know, it seems simple. Well, we've already got these products. We've already, like, written all that content and put it together. It has to be different enough, right? Or yeah. you're finding a way that it's that they're feeding off of each other or you have, you know, something set up where, you know, you're – you're telling search engines that that they're shared content. Yeah, in a way. totally. There are definitely ways around it. I think first and foremost, just being uh, descriptive in the text and giving the information that relates to, I guess, the exp- specific experience. It's probably a different user, right? So you're yeah. talking about buying a handful of things instead of a palette. Right. And what are you doing with it? Are you reselling it? So you're going to say this is perfect for putting on your end caps yeah. versus this is perfect for using in your backyard right yeah and totally and like using that content that already exists on the other site isn't a bad way to start off this process um i mean they say like not to recreate the wheel for a reason it's a great way to pull some of those important pieces that come over but yeah again it's always about uh focusing in on the intended user and obviously someone who's buying a palette full of things isn't looking to probably buy individual items and so focusing the messaging more specifically Taylor, would you say that you do not have to yeet those descriptions? <laughs> you don't. I'm yeah. sorry. I had to. We were just talking about yeeting I don't even know where things. to go with that. I'm sorry. You can yeet that duplicate that. content right out the window. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh we, were de- we were defining oh yeeting. God. Talk about English language oh, and the importance of understanding it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we touched on, like, a lot of really good, useful how to get started. Um, you know, the takeaways that I'm hearing from this are that you you got to – avoid duplicate content that is yeah. huge if there's like one big message seems like that's the thing yeah from that the con- miss. yeah from the content side of seo and with like ever the saying is content is king yeah yeah duplicate content is the ultimate enemy we want to avoid it at all costs yeah and then you know you don't have to do it all at once Mm-mm. you 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 can launch a new site without oh, yeah. having it all fixed and have a plan for the evolution of it taking yes. it in stages right yeah um, which I think sometimes our job is just to be like therapist to our clients. Like, it's going to be okay. We'll yes. get there. Yeah. And this is a perfect example of yeah. that where it can feel overwhelming. Yeah. And while like, I think I've very heavily emphasized that duplicate content is not great and uh, search engines like Google do not want to see it. We also have to keep in mind that Google crawls like a bajillion sites every second. <laughs> and no offense to your new site, it's beautiful and great, but you're probably not going to get like yeet it off to the side because you had duplicate content from the start. Google probably won't even realize right away. It's just something that over time when it sits with that duplicate content is where it's going to hurt you. And that's why it's so important to take care of it as soon as you can. But the ultimate goal is just eventually yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. I always say like is the new site because we're, you know, often are launching a new site. That's right. how this is this conversation yep. is starting. Is the is the new thing better than what you have today? Right. So even if it's still duplicate content, mm-hmm. is everything else about it better? Is the right. checkout process smoother? Well, then it's probably a good idea to go ahead and launch. Yeah. And have a, a plan for a fast follow or a phase two, and yeah. you know that maintenance and that ongoing. Totally. You know, just a uh, tending of the of the yeah. garden. And I think that really highlights also why in new website builds and launches it's important to highlight bringing in people like an seo and the digital marketing team early in the process so that you can get ahead of those things before launch but again if it happens at launch it's not the end-all be-all it can evolve and be fixed yeah and that's okay Mm -hmm. so embrace embrace the imperfect 
Yeah. Um, and then just always having a plan for like ongoing, what are we doing next? What are we yeah. doing next? Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be, you know, auditing the site on a regular basis. Sure. And and doing comparisons of what worked, what didn't, yep. and having that, that long game planned out. Yeah. Three questions to keep in mind when you are crafting this uh, product detail page content. It would be, what problem does this product solve? Yeah. Uh, what do the customers gain from purchasing this product? And what makes this product better than your competition and every other site out there? Man, stick that on a post-it <laughs> up on the wall when you're on a rewriting. Sunset. Yeah, on a sunset <laughs> with a kitten. Yes. And, you know, look up to that yes. kitten falling into those three yeah. questions yeah. when you're writing this. like Ultimately, it feels, when you say it out loud, it kind of feels basic and, like, common sense. But it's really easy to forget when is. you're really focusing on specific key terms you feel like you have to pack into the content. Um, that's where things can get a little slippery and then you just kind of lose your brand and your voice and the point of why you're trying to get people to buy this product. Yeah, I think this is a perfect perfect example of where, like, to me, people probably feel like SEO is this dry technical subject. <laughs> it Ooh, can be. <laughs> it is. But it is. I mean, it's right. so much more. It's so oh, rich. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I just really appreciate you joining us for this today. It just makes me, I want to go write some product description oh, right Oh, great. Now. I've got plenty for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to get working on Bilberry yes. West because we finally got yeah. our product line like nailed down. We can Perfect. We can name them all the Anna and the Elsa oh, and the, great. no, we won't. Don't worry. <laughs> Olaf Church. So thanks so much for joining me today, Thank Taylor. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Beyond the Cart is produced by Lightburn. Today's episode was edited by our very own Stacey Tischer and recorded in downtown Milwaukee with Ray Fister at Fifth Floor Recording Studio. Special thanks also to Taylor Belmer for joining us today. Our music is the song Let's Go, Go, Go by Tiger Blood Jewel. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your audio. And you can always learn more about e-commerce at lightburn.co. I'm Nora Lal, and I hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Cart. Oh, this one's going to be great. Yeah. Stacy, what did I miss? Sorry Everything? we went so far over, Ray, but it's the drilling people's fault, right? <laughs> We're going to blame it's, them. It's also me forgetting my entire career. <laughs> <laughs> what do did I you do? Get, did you catch that? Am I even a human? I That's don't okay. know. No, you're a robo. I'm a sad robo. <laughs> She's a sad robo. God, I'm a sad